Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Empire Sports Talk. I am your host, Roman Gennaro. Let's jump right in. Before I get to the topics that I want to talk about, I have to, because it was humorous, I have to acknowledge uh, what's going on with the Atlanta Braves right now. Um, I sincerely doubt that they saw my tweet, but what I tweeted on June 1st, uh, from our podcast account, Empire Sports Guy on Twitter, what I tweeted was, the defending World Series champs are a tough watch. There's no motivation, there's no drive, there's no backbone. Uh, all, all, all those things walked out the door when Freddie Freeman left, and it shows. I believe that Freddie Freeman was the anchor of that team. And at the time, I thought that was true, where they didn't have leadership, they didn't um, look like the same team that won, that won the World Series, even though most of the, that team is still intact. I tweeted that on June 1st. The Braves have not lost since. With, with last night's victory against the Pittsburgh Pirates, the Braves are now on a nine-game win streak, and have closed the gap between them and the first place Mets from nine games to six and a half games. So I want to first acknowledge that um, while I, I meant what I said on June 1st, the Braves have come to life and shown signs of that team that won the World Series. So uh, good on you. Uh, <laughs> I I don't want to take the credit for that because that would be ridiculous. I am a lowly podcast host, but maybe it was bit maybe it was Ben Verlander uh, in his show, his podcast, uh, Swinging Bats. Uh, was it is it Swinging Bats? Yeah, sw where he said it was time for the Braves to wake up around the same time. So. I'm gonna put the I'm gonna put the blame for for angering the Atlanta Braves on Ben Verlander, and if he wants to talk to me about that, we can have a conversation. <laughs> anyway, um, to lead off the show officially, uh, let's let's talk about the NBA Finals. Through four games, it's tied up at two, and I'm not really sure where the momentum lies at this point because. You know, but going into Game Four and for most of Game Four, I would say that that it it was Boston where or Game Four was was the tightest game of the series and one of the more competitive games of the entire playoffs because most of the NBA playoffs have been blowout after blowout. Even if you see six, seven game series, that's not the story of the series where the teams trade. 20, 30-point blowouts. So Game 4 was one of the more competitive games of the series. Uh, there, there there, was a point late in the game, I think it's late third, early fourth, where I was watching it, and I, it looked to me like Boston could smell the blood in the water, that, 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 that they were a few minutes from going up 3-1 on, on the Dynastic Warriors, even though that dynasty has, has come and gone. A lot of those pieces are still there. They that I th I think they could smell that they were about to go up three one on the Warriors, but I think the Warriors could smell it too because 
in the fourth quarter, while it was hardly um, as extreme of a swing as we've seen in the series by either Golden State in the third quarters or Boston in the fourth, because those have been the trends of, of, of the series, that either one of those teams would, would go on a run in either the third or the fourth and decide the game. It it was significant because I remember at the moment that I thought they're smelling the blood in the water, Boston is, they stopped making shots. And Steph Curry did what Steph Curry does. He had a he, he had an NBA Finals uh, career playoff high in points. Not to say that Boston looked bad at the end of the game, but once Steph and Clay and were were hitting three pointers and Golden State was getting the offensive rebounds off their misses, it was clear that Boston couldn't couldn't hang with them. And that goes back to what I had said going into the series that the key was going to be defense. And some of the shots that Steph Curry was hitting in the fourth quarter, defense didn't matter. I remember uh, looking at uh, looking at one of Steph's late threes, and Marcus Smart was all over him. Al Horford was right there. He had he had come around a screen that got Robert Williams out of the picture, and the defense was right up on him. And he and, and he hit a three. I think it was in Marcus Smart's face. And the announcers or somebody said. If the Boston defense can't defend that shot, if the Boston defense can't force a miss there, nobody can. And that that sums up Steph Curry pretty much. He's a video game character who literally doesn't need space. He just needs not to get hit on the hand or something. He needs the actual shot to not get touched. He doesn't need space. He doesn't need to be open. He's always open. But when Steph Curry started hitting shots, that goes back to what I had said going into the thing. The key for the Celtics is was defense and being physical. And I think they've done a good job of both of those in this series. But sometimes Steph Curry's going to do what Steph Curry does. And in this case... When that started happening, the Celtics went back to trying to hit threes of their own, which I can't blame them because they would be down three, down five late. They needed those threes. But as I've said multiple times, you're not going to beat the Warriors at the Warriors game. You're not you're not going to out shoot Golden State. But the story of how Golden State ended up winning that game was probably the other key for Boston, and that is limiting their own turnovers. Because they they did a good job of taking care of the ball and playing defense and not turning the ball over uh, in games one and three. In game two, they had a lot of turnovers. They were a little bit sloppy. Uh, which led Golden State to to a convincing victory. And I believe I heard that last night Boston had 16 turnovers. And Golden State's really good at turning those into points. So if you're Boston, you can't, you can't go out there and 
turn the ball over. If there was ever a team against which you need to play a perfect game to win, it's Golden State. If you falter, if you leave the door open even a little, if you turn the ball over, if you have any show any weakness, they will exploit it. Now, it's next to impossible to play a perfect game, let alone four in a seven-game series, but Boston did pretty good in games one and three, and they did pretty good to a point last night. But now the series is 2-2, and... I'm not sure who has the momentum at this point because I still think Boston is favored, but I feel like Golden State took that win away from them, which is a big momentum shifter. And eventually, is it game five? I think this series is going back to Golden State here, so or going back to, to, to San Francisco. So I think that's going to hurt Boston, not not getting it done in game four. Um, but but we'll see. I still think Boston's going to find a way to win the series, but it's going to be a lot harder now because they gave Golden State life. They they let them tie the series because I think coming down the stretch, as and I don't want to take anything away from Steph and uh, and Jordan Poole and Klay Thompson and, and, and the Warriors players, but... I think Boston lost that game. I don't necessarily think Golden State won it. I think Boston lost it. They had some bad turnovers and they, you know, couldn't couldn't match the Warriors at the end, which can't blame them, as I've said. But now the now the game is tied and it be or now the series is tied and it becomes a best of 3 series and it's really hard to bet against Steph Curry and the Warriors. But we'll see. Because about every time that I've thought that Golden State has has, sur has seized momentum in the series, Boston responds. And Boston has been really good. One of the better teams in the NBA this year in games following a loss. So I think game... Game five will be the the deciding game as to how how this series is going to go. Um, if 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 Boston can respond and take game five, I think they they have a good shot. If Golden State comes back and wins four and five and takes a three two lead, I think the series is over. I don't think Boston wins again, but we'll see what happens. I just think. I just think Boston let one slip away. I think they were minutes from a 3-1 series, and they let it slip away. But, you know what? This is the highest level of basketball. This is the biggest stage at the highest level of basketball. So, flaws are going to get picked apart. And I'm, I, I was just glad that Game 4 was competitive and tight the whole way. And I look forward to what, hopefully, the next three games have in store i hope this series goes the distance because it's been it's been really really interesting the nhl the colorado avalanche have clinched their spot in the stanley cup final out of the western conference with a uh sweep of the edmonton oilers and it is their first stanley cup appearance since 2001 when they took home the title and now they are waiting on the winner of 
the New York Rangers and Tampa Bay Lightning series, which the, the Tampa Bay Lightning look to close out against the Rangers tonight, and I think they will. And if, if they close it out tonight, then they would have won the last four. I think this series ended in Game 5 when Tampa Bay won because they won in New York where the Rangers have been excellent this season. They they were 27-10-4 in their 41 games at home during the regular season. They were one of the better home teams that, that entered the playoffs, and they were one of the better home teams in the playoffs. And so losing a pivotal Game 5 at home to the two-time defending um, Stanley Cup champions I think was a backbreaker because now the Rangers will have to win games six and seven on the home ice of the two-time defending Stanley Cup champions, and I think that is a really, really tall order. So I I expect this series to end tonight with game six. I expect Tampa to go back to the Stanley Cup Finals yet again, but we will see. Maybe New York pulls a rabbit out of its hat and, and wins the next two and goes to the Stanley Cup Final. As a casual NHL fan watching these playoffs, I've felt that the Rangers were destined for the Stanley Cup Finals, so maybe... Maybe I'm right, and maybe they pull it off because they are, in fact, destined to to be in the in the Stanley Cup Finals. But I mean, it's a it's a tough sell against the Tampa Bay Lightning. You know, you you don't just win two consecutive Stanley Cups by chance. They they weren't as flashy as they have been in the last two seasons this year, and yet they still found a way as the, as the three seed to get to get into the conference finals and here they are on the precipice of the Stanley Cup finals. I believe it ends tonight. And 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 we see Tampa versus Colorado. Tampa will be would be in search of their fourth title, third consecutive, and Colorado would be in search of their third. But again, New York is not out yet, but they would have to win two consecutive in Tampa against the Champs. So that's a tall order. We will see what happens. I, for one, cannot wait. I let off the show talking about one streak of the Atlanta Braves. And I want to go back there to an equally noteworthy streak that was happening at the same time. The Los Angeles Angels losing 14 in a row. And this set in motion the firing of Joe Madden, their manager. Which, ironically, on last week's episode, I was talking about what I thought a big mistake it was for the Phillies to fire Joe Girardi. And now here we are uh, talking about the Angels firing Joe Madden. And I think this is a more egregious firing than the Joe Girardi firing. Because, again, it's only 50, 60 games into the season. It's a long season. But this time, yes... A 14-game losing streak is rough at any point of the season. At any point in any situation, 14 games is rough. That being said, when the streak started, when they won their last game, 
they went to 27 and 17. They were in first place in the AL West. Bear in mind, they've won since then. The streak is over. The streak ended at 14 a couple of nights ago. But their last win before they went on this streak, they were 27 and 17 in first place in the AL West. But then inexplicably, the wheels fell off. And it was a it it was a full team thing. Their pitching that had been so well wasn't wasn't doing, and that includes Otani. He struggled on the mound and at the plate. Uh, I believe he went zero and two, zero and two with like a nine ERA in the two starts during that streak. He was on the mound when they finally ended the streak against the Red Sox, and he looked really good. So I think it's safe to say that that uh that he he figured some stuff out but they were in first place at the time so during that streak they went from 27 and 17 to 27 and 31 that being said they're still in second place they are granted 9 games behind the Astros in the AL West which is a hefty margin but as I said, when I was talking about Joe Girardi and the, and the Phillies, it's too early to give up. It's too early to say, oh, well, we had a bad stretch and here we are. Because, yeah, the, the Astros are not the Mets. They're not just going to inexplicably fall apart. They were in the World Series last year for a reason. They've been in, they've been in three World Series in the last five years for a reason they're really good but you are in second place you still have Mike Trout the best player in the world even though he's dealing with an injury right now you have Otani who is a lightning bolt so you could argue that the Angels have the two best players in baseball on the same roster night in and night out so while this while this lengthy losing streak was a fluke, losing streaks happen. Winning streaks happen. Just look at the Braves. Last year they they started rough and they and they got hot and they won the won the World Series. They got hot at the right time in a in a not so good division and they won the World Series. And this year they started rough again and now they've reeled off nine in a row and they're closing in on the Mets again. So streaks happen, things happen, and I really think firing Joe Madden was the wrong move because not only is Joe Madden one of the best managers in the game but he ended the longest championship streak in sports history with a team that many considered if you're superstitious to be cursed so and the one knock on the Angels in the time that they've had Trout and now Otani is they never had the right manager. And they, they, they never got the full potential out of that team. And before this losing streak, the Angels looked better than they had in years. And then they, they lost a few games. And they blamed the guy that had them looking better than they had in years. They looked better than they've looked since Mike Trout has been there. And now Joe Madden is gone. I like Phil Nevin. 
I was a big Phil Nevin fan when he when, when he was a player. But like I said with the Joe Girardi thing, mid-season coaching changes do not work. They're never successful. I think Joe Madden was the right manager for this Angels team. He was the right manager for Mike Trout and Shohei Otani and to finally get them to the playoffs. But one speed bump and you bailed. This, to me, reeks of organizational impatience. The The Angels front office clearly feel the pressure for not getting Mike Trout and Otani to the playoffs. There, there were rumors during the offseason, after one year with the Angels, that Otani was itching to go to a team that could win. And that was just one year with Otani. Mike Trout has been a lot more patient than he probably should when it's when it's come to winning. And I think now the Angels are panicking because not only are they wasting Mike Trout on, on non-playoff teams, but now Otani seems to be getting impatient that that he's on a losing team. So this this reeks of impatience where they got the they got the right manager, everything was going great, and then at the first sign of trouble, a 13 game losing streak, which granted is excessive, but I I I never doubted the Angels would would find their way out of it. They're too good. They let go the best manager they've had in the dugout in a long time. No disrespect to Mike Sosha. He did win a World Series in 2002, but that was in 2002. The Angels made a colossal mistake in firing Joe Madden. Joe Madden is one of the best managers in this game, and he will waste no time finding another job. There are so many teams in this league that would jump at the chance to hire Joe Madden, and the Angels screwed it up. But, much like I said with the with the Phillies, they are nine games back of the Astros. They It would be real tough to catch the Astros because the Astros are not the Mets. The Astros are solid. But, the thing that makes this a more colossal mistake than the Phillies firing is that the Angels are only three and a half games out of the American League wildcard at this point in time. Only three and a half. That's a good week. That's that's almost the amount of games the Braves have picked up on the Mets during a nine-game win streak. Three and a half games is a good week. It's right there. That is shouting distance. And granted, there's a hundred games left, so you can't look at wildcard standings just yet. But you fired one of the better managers in, in baseball when you're staring at a three-and-a-half game deficit in the American League wildcard to finally get the best baseball player in the world to the playoffs. You may have panicked during the losing streak, but all you have to show for it is making a terrible decision. Nothing against Phil Nevin. I hope he's a success because I hope Mike Trout and Shohei Otani and Anthony Rendon make it to the playoffs. I hope this Angels team make it to the playoffs, but I thought their best route to the playoffs was with Joe Madden in the driver's seat, and now you've just ejected him out of the car because you got a flat tire. So I very much disagree with... I, I disagreed with the, with the Phillies firing of Joe Girardi because the Phillies' inability to make the playoffs was an organizational thing. 
that Joe Girardi should not have gotten the blame for. They struggled to make the playoffs before he got there. The Angels missing the playoffs is also an organizational issue that Joe Madden should not have gotten the blame for. But this just showed impatience. This showed we have an expectation to win because we have Trout and Madden and Rendon and Otani. And we were winning. But we had a bad two weeks and we threw a hissy fit and fired our manager. That's how I see this. As a GM and owner that can't be fired saying, oh, well, we're losing. It's your fault. Even though you were in first place when when the streak started and you're still in the race, we're losing and we expect you to be perfect and you're not, so you're gone. That's how I view this and I don't like it at all. I could be wrong, but it just seems like a hissy fit. It seems like, oh, the kid didn't get to play with the toy that they wanted for five minutes, so they threw toys at the other kids. That's what it looks like. And it's pretty crass. The last thing I want to touch on, I admittedly don't know a lot about golf, but it seems that what is going on between the PGA Tour and this new live uh, tour golf event is pretty nasty what I don't like is because I guess a lot of PGA golfers were were not happy with how they were getting paid or not paid relative to how they were playing because apparently and I was not aware of this apparently if it if you miss the cut at a PGA Tour event you don't get paid at all but with these new rules in 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 the live tour uh everyone gets paid whether you whether you make the cut or not um everybody gets a piece of the purse just for entering the event it's a team based um the events are team based where you have captains that draft golfers and your scores are somehow factored together the live golf tour is seen as live or live i'm so, I, i'm not sure what what it's called i think it's live uh but the liv is in reference to the number 54 which is the number of holes that in a that in event that that an event is as opposed to the 72 of a pga tour event there is one less day of competition so it's less golf um less strain on the golfers more money in their pockets so this is this is definitely a money decision what i don't like and what i think has gotten a little bit nasty is and 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 i don't know all the details surrounding the the live golf tour or or why certain players left i am i i watch the masters when it's on that's about it i don't know a lot but it caught my attention when these notable golfers were leaving the pga Big names, major winners, and in some cases, master winners, green jacket holders, were leaving the PGA Tour, including big names like most notably Phil Mickelson, Bryson DeChambeau, Louis Oosthuizen, former master champion, Graham McDowell, Ricky Fowler has also since left, Dustin Johnson, Ian Poulter, big names 
in the PGA have left to play in in this new league of golf. Uh, this new super league, if you want to call it that, it feels a lot like the when when the when those premier teams tried to tried to make that new league in soccer and that didn't go well. You could look at this from what I understand. You could look at this a couple of ways. You could look at 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 the golfers wanting more money out of out of what they put into uh, their careers, more freedom as to how how they want to play and when they want to play. And not being happy with some of the decisions that the PGA has made, TV contracts, whatever their reasons were, they have left the PGA, which has been the behemoth as far as golf has been concerned. But now it's seen, it's seen as competition, albeit to some tawdry competition to the giant that is the PGA Tour. But what I think is going to hurt now because the PGA Tour has said, well, if you left to go play live golf, then you're then you're then you're banned. Basically, you're banned from PGA Tour events such as the Masters, the U.S. Open, the the British Open, the the Players Championship, the big names, the big name tournaments in golf. And ultimately, not all the big names left for this tournament. You still have the Jordan Spieths and the Roy McIlroys over at the PGA Tour, but I think. At the end of the day, somebody's going to get hurt from this, and it's either going to be the big names that left for the live tournament, like like Phil Mickelson and Dustin Johnson, who don't don't get the recognition or don't have the success they were hoping to have, and then they're not welcomed back into the PGA. Or it's going to be the PGA, whose viewership is going to go down now because some of its biggest names have left over this dispute. And now the PGA has 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 banned them from coming back, so or suspended them, or whatever the case may be. So I just think I don't know a lot about golf, I, but I have this this situation has caught my attention, and I think it's interesting. I I'm reading up as much as I can on some of these things to figure out what exactly went wrong, what exactly has happened, and I'm very interested to see. If the PGA Tour is going to suffer from from suspending or banning names like Phil Mickelson and Dustin Johnson, or if or if this this new live golf situation is going to flourish, or some combination of those things, I don't know. We will have to wait and see. The main thing, I guess, was that the players were not pleased with how the PGA Tour was structured, so maybe this will force the PGA Tour to look at how they do things. Maybe they'll say, well, we were the we, we were the power in golf for so long and it worked for us. Just because you guys were unhappy doesn't mean we have to change everything. We don't know we don't know how it's gonna be. But it's certainly intriguing to figure it out. That's all I have for you. This has been Empire Sports Talk. Before I go I want to I want to let everybody know big news this week. Empire Sports Talk is now available wherever you get your podcasts. Spotify, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, soon to be Pandora, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. Wherever you get your podcasts, Empire Sports Talk is now there. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter for more updates. We've gotten a new logo. Theme music is on the way. Big updates are here and more are coming for Empire Sports Talk. This has been another episode. I am your host, Roman Gennaro. See you next time.